The Essential Guide to Surviving Humanity with Michelle Frost and Gareth Wax. So if you recall, dear listener, from the last effort, we talked about religion and more specifically about Catholicism and Christianity. And my dear friend and co-conspirator, Michelle Frost's upbringing at the hands of... Who are those terrible... The Carmelite nuns. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, well, yeah, they were who, who apparently them. sound like figures from a horror story. <laughs> now we're going to flip the coin slightly and talk about my own upbringing, mm-hmm. which is specifically Jewish. Mm-hmm. And the basis is not just simply a religion. It's also an idea, a methodology, and a culture, all rolled together in one. And I would say the Jewish backbone has always been about food. I'd like to go right back from the beginning. If you okay, know, you know, let's do well, it. How did this all start? Well, a long time ago, there was this burning book. <laughs> let's roll on a few years. I was born to a Catholic mother and a Jewish father. And uh, my Jewish father was, in fact, a merchant seaman. He left my mother pregnant. And when she had me, my father wasn't there but he said he would agree to me being adopted because it wasn't suitable I think they were about to split up anyway as long as the family that brought me up were Jewish and that came to pass I had stayed a year in a children's home where my mother was the lead psychologist and was also a prominent figure in the adoption system and by one way or another I ended up with my parents and is it interesting isn't it that ended up with your parents Yes, yes, I think, but well, that's a fair description. <laughs> you didn't choose them, you ended up with them. And well, no, actually, and we will do this in a different one, mm. because one of our survival series will be surviving adoption. But let, let's not talk about that in depth, but put it this way, I was very carefully chosen. Mm-hmm. My mother put me through a whole rigorous series well, of testing. Were you part of an experiment? But that's uh, another, yeah, that's another, that's another story. Okay. But, uh, but let's get to the part where I'm being brought up. Now, very much the emphasis in our household was Judaism, but what I refer to as middle-class Judaism. So, dear listener, there are several tracks of Judaism, if you like, variations on the theme. I mean, they all basically have a godhead. They all have the law. And the law is sacrosanct. So, so I'm interested, does your godhead also, is it also trident, in in other words, God, the Holy Spirit, and the Son of God? No, because the whole main difference between Judaism and any other monotheistic religion is that the Messiah has not yet come. There are prophets, and incidentally, most of those prophets are echoed in other monotheistic religions as well. So, obviously, Abraham, mm-hmm. um, Isaac, the the, uh, the 12 tribes, mm-hmm. etc. But it's all about the coming of the Lord. The technicolour is... dream coat, if you recall. <laughs> so, it's about the coming of the Lord. He is yet to come. And so, what what's the impact then in terms of you being brought up in your faith, the fact that at some point, at any point, we're waiting. Mayor, and we're waiting and we're preparing. In many ways, Judaism is all about being a kind of spiritual accountant. The idea is that you have to balance up your good deeds against your bad. So at some and point... And Gareth is doing a sort of, you know, one of those those, those scales, <laughs> which I always sort of associate with, with, with Jew- Judaism. I'm afraid it's like... <laughs> it is one of the most Jewish moves. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can do the voice to go with it. So... so I've got to balance up in one hand my my goodness and how many how many mitzvahs I've done to please God. As you say, so there's like a cop, there's sort of like a book, and it might be an Excel sheet now. It would well, be an Excel sheet. It would indeed. I can it, picture it now. Yes. Yeah. 
yeah. with the checks and sums and the positive and negative. So, mm-hmm. so for instance, you go to synagogue and you make sure you you never wear any leather shoes there because apparently it's bad to wear leather, leather shoes there. So what do you do? This is always amuses me, the, the hypocrisy of religion. I don't know if it's all religion, but certainly you're not supposed to wear leather shoes to the synagogue. So what they do is you park your car two roads away, change your shoes into your trainers and then walk to synagogue in them. Look at me, I'm a fine, upstanding Orthodox Jew. No, 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 no leather shoes on me. So it's all about... Um... And you're not supposed... You're supposed to walk to the synagogue. Mm. So you don't want to... Once again, you park far enough away. There's not too long a walk, but people assume that you've walked all the way from home. Because um, it sounds like a lot of it's about image. It's about what people it's say about It's all about, about image. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the classic Orthodox Jew, and we were talking about the various tracks, I was going to come to them. You've got, at the one end... You've got the orthodoxy, and there are some ultra-orthodox, or what we call frummers. And frumkite, uh, frumkite, the word kite mean, means those type of people. So frum, frumkite. Um, and you can tell these kind of people, because they have pears, which is the twisty, turny hairs beside their ears. Um, they often wear the hats, which my wife refers to as gatto hats, because they look a bit like a, a, a Black Forest gatto. They wear black, almost chinese looking long coats. Often they wear very tight white, uh, skin-tight tights underneath their black trousers. They wear proper shoes, usually with a plastic sole. So leather's okay? No, no. No leather on on, on the sole. The leather mustn't touch the ground. I see. Ah. So you'll see see the music music thing is, I always thought that uh, when I was young that uh, our religion was sponsored by Adidas. (laughs) (laughs) Because they all seem to be wearing Adidas shoes at synagogue. And when you went to the synagogue when I was young, um, I found insufferably boring until I became part of the community. All my grouping, all my community when I was young was defined about what I would be doing next synagogue. You see, as I was saying before, the most important part of the Jewish religion is the law. The law is everything. The law, it was an expanded version from the tablets brought down by Moses on Mount Sinai. And it was more than that. It's the Pentateuch, which is the five books of Moses. And and beyond that, it plays a part in every part of Jewish life. Every day, there's a portion of the law read to the rapt attention. Incidentally, so nothing can happen in the Jewish religion without the minion. I, I want to take you back a bit because okay. we were going chronologically. And of I course. remember you saying to me how you were very loyal, very determined, and that every day before school you yes. would go to the Thank synagogue. you for reminding me. Yes, yeah. I, I used to every day before school. So I went to school in Hammersmith in London. It actually, it was in Barnes, which is just over Hammersmith Bridge. Now unpassable, but then quite easy. You could walk across. Incidentally, boys from us through some ancient order, if you became a head boy, you were allowed to drive your sheep across the bridge. I never did find someone doing that, but I always wanted them to do it. You know, you you beg for these things. But anyway, so I used to get on the 33 bus, Mm -hmm. which was the same bus that took me home, and it would take me all the way through to Shepherd's Bush Green. And on Shepherd's Bush Green, there would be the Hammersmith Shawl. By the way, Shawl is Temple. I will be peppering this 
with Yiddish terms, dear listener. So if you fancy learning odd bits of, of Yiddish, oi, what a schlep, etc., you'll be hearing them now. Anyway, so I would do the little schlep, from, which was from where the school was, on the 33 bus, dro- stop off at the Shepherd's Bush Green, and there I would go to Hammersmith Shul. And Reverend Fennett, who was the ever-popular uh, rabbi, would give a sermon, we would sing along it, and I would get to do a mitzvah. So... What was that mitzvah? And how many of you were young boys? Of what age did you say? Well, it's the Jewish equivalent of altar boys. And what we would do is there would be five or six of us and we'd all be given a different job. Now, remember I told you that the most important part of Jewish religion was the law. Was the law. That happens at the end. That's Yom Kippur. Okay. Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. And on that day... The goodness you've done for the Jewish community and for yourself and towards the state of Israel is measured up by all the terrible things you've done. But I think what you said was that these mitzvahs count for something. Yes, they all do. It counts for two things. One, it's another tick in the box on the spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And two, it's the time when you bond with your little Jewish family that you are there. And am I right in saying that one of your friends that you now have goes back to those days. Yes. And that it's the same connection with you and him that I do with my Catholic friends, with this sort of understanding. There's a weird sense of understanding between all Jews, no matter of what shade. And what's it about? Because, you know, we talked about guilt. It's because there's so few of us. Okay. Mm -hmm. When you look at the numbers, they're astounding. We are less than a third of 1% of the UK population, Mm. Jews. And going back to our first episode when you talked about feeling an outcast, maybe that's too strong, but you said to me today... I felt I was different. Not better, not worse, just different. Different. And that was compounded by being Jewish. I was in a school where they depressed the number of other that was in there. What I remember in religion, RE, my three Jewish friends sat right at the back doing Uh, their own thing. Yeah, and I think what you said was that your sense of belonging there was a certain point where it ended remind me what that was so you kind of had felt your you'd found your tribe you'd well found your... it was a whole lead up yeah now remember if you recall i'd been born from a jewish father but a catholic mother the religion flows through the mother line so technically i wasn't anything so that meant i had to have special words and special phrases thrown over me while i went through a baptism of sort which is called a mikvah so i was plunged into a bath of freezing cold water somewhere near heston swimming bath while a rabbi said some words over me later on baptism very similar to a baptism i mean you'll find i think this is echoed through all religions i know the muslims have something similar in islam Uh, i think even buddhists have a point where you're anointed by water water. yeah in fact the queen is anointed isn't it very famously in her uh, coronation i was going to say crematorium not cremation (laughs) i don't think that's getting ahead of yourself (laughs) coronation she's anointed and it's i love queen let's not let's not wish that it's the most private uh ritual of the whole absolutely but Mm. apparently later on and this is one of the disturbing things they said the wrong words oh the wrong things were said the wrong things were agreed to and i was never completely converted to the orthodox jury which my parents were part of so who was to blame uh research i don't think they asked the right questions i think they assumed you mean it your parents f- or, yes or, yeah, yeah yes it was an awakening it was a distressing time but if it hadn't been for that i wouldn't have expanded my mind mm. and accepted that other religions were valid or as valid mm. as each other so you said something about you weren't jewish enough Remind yes. me, remind me where that phrase came from. <laughs>
I wasn't Jewish enough because when it came time for me to be bar mitzvah, and dear listener, bar mitzvah is the time when a boy in the Jewish firmament becomes a man. He's recognized by the minion, which I mentioned before. And the minion are made up mostly of the remnants of the 12 tribes of Israel. Kohenim and the Levi are the two members who must be part of 10 people, 10 men, and true, who stand before you as you stand and you read out your passage from the, your Pasha, your part of the Haftorah, which is the Haftorah is the, the adjunct to the Torah, the Torah being those very important law that is held in each synagogue. A mitzvah literally means a gift from God. If you're doing a good deed, usually God's deed, Jews often use a mitzvah to mean anything good. Ten pounds found in my pocket. Oh, what's a mitzvah? Anyway, so... <laughs> An extra M&M in the packet that I didn't think was there. Oh, what a mixer! Yeah, anyway, so... <laughs> it reminds me, I've got to say this, it reminds me of something my mother always says, is that if suffering is always because uh, Jesus is testing us, yes. uh, you know, and a miracle is, is because Jesus is blessing us. So, yeah, always. so those mitzvahs every day, a different boy will be allocated to do a different job. And remember, we pray to the law. As much as we pray to God, we pray to God and we say, and most of our prayer is along the lines of God is great, isn't he great? What a great person. Oh my God, he's great. He's great. And by the way, did I mention how good he is? That's pretty much all the okay. prayers. Right. It's summed up. Yeah. Uh, even even the prayers for the dying is, don't forget to mention how God is really, really good. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so you're putting your hand up there. So, you know, this patriarchal Godfather. That oh, very much so. Is, it's the same. It's but, the same. Looking but, down. Judging. But the difference is this. Mm -hmm. There is no Jewish hell. I see. We yeah. don't have hell. What we have is, it's not even shame. It's just that on the Day of Atonement, if you don't come up trumps, you don't get to sit beside God forever. So as you ask me, how has this impacted you as a man? So every day you get a different mitzvah. Part of what happened during, during Jewish prayers, if you like, is we get a reading of the law. But to get to reading of the law, the Ark, which is a ceremonial place, where very ornate, overly ornate, if mm. you like, mm. covered scrolls, it's huge scrolls are kept. That's the, we've got, uh, it's where the sacrament Absolutely. is kept. Absolutely. But we yeah. have, what we have is we, I don't, I never understood why they have to have multiple versions of the Torah in there. But I think what happens is they get gifted, usually by businessmen trying to buy themselves to the right hand of God. Um, yeah, it's impressive. The yes, I went very, myself and, you know. And, you uh, saw them with the scroll. The scroll that's and it. it's, <laughs> so it's made from parchment and it's rolled out. Mm. All right, and you don't touch it because it could make the paper decay. Mm -hmm. So they have a silver pointer that you have to use, and it runs it along. Now, leading up to B'mitzvah, your mitz your mitzvahs are all to do with taking the uh, scrolls out, undressing them, with taking their covers off. They have a plaque over the front. It looks a bit like the plaque you'd put over a nice bottle of wine, and you take that off as well. So probably do you have it probably of says. Do I think it probably says in Hebrew. Oh, wait, plenty of dress rehearsals. Yeah. It probably says on the front, "This is a this is a scroll." That's probably pretty obvious. They take it off, very fancy looking, and you ended up with this very plain looking scroll, and you unroll it, mm. and then you get to the section we're going to read. Today's section is going to be about how great God is. In case I haven't mentioned that to you recently, all right. So it's all. Is all, this all your that. so so? What's your memory of your own bar mitzvah? So well, this is the interesting thing. This is where I lost. The first time I lost the beginning, the, my way, as it were. 
my whole community, if I if I brought you along this far, you'll realise that my entire community, I would get there for about 7 o'clock in the morning. By 7.30, we'll re- the reading of the law. I would have my mitzvah just before. I'd either open the ark, that would be a mitzvah. I'd dress or undress the scrolls, that would be a mitzvah. I'd carry the scroll ceremonially on my shoulder, walking around. A 12-year-old boy, I wasn't particularly tall, took this huge scroll carrying it around with people desperately trying to catch it as it tipped from one side to the other. I'm trying to think what parallel there is. It's like you're, you're being... But you pray to, to this test. law, you yeah. see? I don't know any other religion where they pray to the law. The law is everything. And what is the law? Is it the Ten Commandments? It's an expanded version of the Ten Commandments. Right, okay. Uh, turns out on a further inspection there are about 18 or 20 commandments. Mm. Some of them are very odd. But remember this is the Old Testament. So very bloody. Very crazy. And yet bizarrely not very judgy so were you aware as a little boy that these mitzvahs were counting towards something yes like absolutely brownie points or well they were brownie points mm. and also we do all those mitzvahs the rabbi and the husband the husband does all the singing uh, mm. and, the, and the rabbi does all the talking um the husband the is like a, usually a younger more more uplifting and he sings in the choirs upstairs singing along with it mm-hmm. it's very lovely mm-hmm. I'm a Jewish Jewish song you know it. it's quite mm-hmm. lovely mm-hmm. so I'm picturing Gareth this boy of 13 yes adopted. remember I had been studying for two years this boy of 13 who is brought up in an adopted home yes he, he's kind of ended up with this faith yes and but I had, wasn't aware of that. I was I was aware that I was adopted, but I, I, from my knowledge, I'd always been Jewish. And there's an element of determination and um, commitment, as a word that's coming up. I yes. will go, even though my friends aren't doing it, even though I've got a full day of school, I will go to this church or a temple in Shepherd's Bush, and I will, I will. Um, Add to my mitzvahs. What has it? My spiritual. Has... We always called it the spiritual path or the spiritual growth. The the theory I think this being this feels very mature for a thirteen year old. Is this something that continues to be you know part of your life? Is a, a real commitment to something when no, something is asked of you? Not really. Commit? No. No. Well, yeah, no. That yes. When I uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. No. I'm not sure I got it from that. Uh, I do. It, I commit to things, and I do them through bloody mindedness more than anything else. So it sounds like bloody minded about the way you approached the Shepherd's Bush Temple. Is no, not really. That was because that's where my friends were. Is that what it was? About? I did not have a good time at school. I see. And I really did enjoy. And the Jews at my school, I went to a public school where I was the only pauper there. Yeah. And everybody, or the apparent pauper there, my parents were just stingy as hell. So the point is that that that, that what would happen is. I would do this to escape the penance I felt like I was doing at school. Interesting. So that sounds like it was a true motivation. Oh, my goodness. It was an escape route. Mm, mm. And when, on my 13th birthday, or just coming up to it, and I two weeks before, uh, Reverend Bennett, who had been teaching me how to sing my half Torah for the previous two years, he said, all right, let's just check everything's in order. We'll look at your, your get, all, all the bits and pieces that mm. in the Jewish religion. It's a religion. long-winded process, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the but they look at that point to see whether you're Jewish enough. Mm-hmm. And he said, hang on a moment. It says here that you didn't have the right magic beads shaken over you or, or dipped in the right magic way. That's massive. So how I, did it make I'm you afraid feel? you can't have your bimits for here. What was your feeling? Do you remember? I felt betrayed because two things happened. One, I couldn't be bimits for there. The, the place that I'd been 
because I would go to the synagogue. I would stand on the bima. I would be singing this out. And my deal was the leader on the, my thirteenth birthday. We standing in front of that minion with the kohenim, with the levy, with my friends and family downstairs and upstairs. Massive Women upstairs. hype. Everyone knows Absolutely about it. Big Everyone's hype. coming. All done. All gone because I wasn't Jewish enough. Mm. And so to me, I felt kind of guilt. Yeah. I can kind of shame. Mm-hmm. And we had to go searching for a different way through. And we did. Um, what happened was, and I always liken this to Henry VIII. Henry VIII, as everybody knows, was desperate to divorce his wife, but he wouldn't be allowed to because he was in the Catholic religion. So how do I do that? Well, create I'm, a new religion. I create a new religion. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to talk about the beheadings. But let's talk about the parallel to this is there were two prominent rabbis both going at this time for the same top job. They both wanted to be chief rabbi. Chief rabbi got all the best dinners. They got furnished with the best clothes. They got the headlines. It was a very swish upmarket. It sounds like they need to have done a lot of mitzvahs to do that. Oh, mate, well, all the mitzvahs, darling. <laughs> the two head figures going for it, Rabbi Sachs and Rabbi Louis Jacobs. Both strong, upstanding menchers. Both strong men, well respected. Who should get it? Rabbi Sachs got the chief rabbi job, Robbie Louis Jacobs, was he pissed. He was salty as hell. So what did he do? He did the same thing. He said, well, I'll bugger you. If I'm not going to be the chief of this religion, I'll create my own version of it called Masorti. And Masorti is different in a number of ways. And one of which was back then, because I wouldn't say it was relatively new, but it was newish enough that they would take everything. So they when would? They would take anything. So, so when, very liberal. A very liberal. Well, not that liberal. There's liberal, reform and orthodox. Liberal is the least strong. Yeah, come in wearing jeans and a t-shirt. We don't care. Mm-hmm. Men and women can mix. You don't have to stay for the whole thing. (laughs) Who cares? Most of it's in English. We'll sing a few songs. We'll shake your hands and see you on your way. You don't even have to wear a kippah all the time. Kippah is like a a skull cap that men are with. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wear... That's where Christians kind of... It's the same thing where they meet in a hall and there's lots of singing. Yeah, yeah. Lots of like, you know, lots of coffee and tea afterwards and biscuits, but not much praying. Absolutely. Then you've got reform. Still about 80% in Hebrew, some in English. Men and women sit usually either side. Sometimes they mix, mostly not, but they can see each other at least. And then in the Orthodox, uh, men have to wear kippah. Uh, women sit upstairs. They're separated from the men. It's very patriarchal. Mm-hmm. It's very male orientated, and the women go along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And the women do all the food. And in fact, between you and me, the women are always in control. That's the three tracks. My parents were born into the Orthodox tract. Masorti um, was somewhere hovering between Orthodox and Reformed. Reformed yeah. But the interesting thing is, they were very happy to take on people like myself. So remind me, bar mitzvahs. Why do people? Why? What's the throwing of the sweets? Then? Because you said food is important. Oh my goodness. What's that about? No, the throwing of the sweets. Okay, so um, in liberal stuff, or rather, JFS, Jewish Free School, which is a a Jewish only school, they have their own, and also in, in Israel, they have their own versions of something. And they just like throwing food at anything to celebrate stuff. Even when the men and women are kept apart by a sort of ceremonial well, we wall, they yeah, throw sweets at each other. Craziness. So going back, so I think there's a final part of your your Jewish chronicle, as it were. Yes, because <laughs> I, I got over this. I still had some belief, but then it came up to be married, yes. and I'd come off tour. I'd been in touring with a rock band, and when I came back, I, I I fell in like with a lady. I wouldn't say I loved her. I liked her a lot. She was great companion. She was a homemaker. She was very much 
a steady influence. That feels like such a Gary comment. I fell in light. It's very specific. She was going to bear children. I was going to be in a stable relation. My parents would be happy because she was Jewish. Ah, so a lot of this was about pleasing your parents. Yes. Well, I was trying, I was attempting to. Uh, I realised at a later date, not that long later, that that would be... Nothing would be enough. Nothing would ever be enough. And it turned out, even after all this, they didn't even like her anyways. But the truth of the matter was, two weeks before, in a, a weird... And very similar to Baba Mitzvah, they looked at our get and said, I just Not wasn't Jewish, Jewish enough. <laughs> so once again, the carpet is swept from under your feet, building up to an important ceremony like your Bar Mitzvah and our wedding. What was the feeling? Well, there's some amusing things I want to talk to you about. In the Jewish religion, it sounds like it's really prescriptive. It sounds like you must follow a certain way. Because let's face it, in the Jewish religion, it's one of the only religions that has no missionaries. We don't really want you to become part of us. We're quite happy to exist alongside so us. Just keep yourself to yourself and we'll keep ourselves to ourselves. Confirmed your beliefs that you didn't fit in. No, in absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I tell you what, though. It is very accepting. I remember, I can't remember where I saw it recently, but there was a, a well, there was a, a, a man who went to the to a priest, a Catholic priest, and said, my son uh, is coming out as trans, what should I do? And uh, the uh, Catholic priest said, well, pray for him and that he sees the light and doesn't carry on this foolhardy path because he will be offending God and committing a, a mortal sin. So let's pray together. And the same thing happened with a rabbi. And, and the rabbi said, let's just pray that she chooses the right length of, of skirt. Jews make a fuss and then just cope. And I think that's pretty much all about Judaism. And that's why I'm still proud to call myself Jewish, even though most people would refer to me as either atheist or agnostic. Okay. And so what's helped you survive? If I look and I compare, if I can draw a vague parallel to those brave men and women who lost their lives uh, through the Nazis in, in the war, the one thing that has made what is left so poignant is that we are a group of survivors. And I think I would like to echo that. I am a survivor. I'm proud to be a survivor. And I will go on being a survivor. And I'm going to finish this whole thing with one short quote. I would say the Jewish but almost irre irreverent look at the way in which uh, religion plays a part in one's life, which is man plans and God laughs. This has been The Essential Guide to Surviving Humanity with Michelle Frost and Gareth Wax. Mm -hmm.